0: Hey all! Welcome to Eat, Drink, Social. My name is Michael Moller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. All right, happy to be joined now by Katie Cofield, aka at Foodie Tribe in Miami, Florida. Katie and Foodie Tribe uh, works as a a food and beverage influencer marketing talent agency of sorts with over 1,700 creators kind of around the globe. Mm -hmm. So thanks for coming on. We're we're happy to talk to you today. Um, Just real uh, kind of a 30,000-foot view. Can you just tell us what your all's philosophy is behind Foodie Tribe?
1: Definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Foodie Tribe essentially was created to be the liaison between the brands and the agencies, um, and the influencers that wanted to create content. We are very focused in the sense that we, all of the projects that we collaborate on are either food and or beverage focused. Um, we don't really go beyond that. And our main goal, the main thing that we're really trying to do here is to help the brands create stellar content, um, in a very time efficient way. Uh, kind of matter in line with, you know, adopting and ensuring that we're putting together the best strategy and really collaborating with the right set of influencers for the brands that we're collab, you know, kind of putting together partnerships for.
2: So when when did this idea of having a tribe of foodies first come to you? Do you f- did you feel like there was always a need for this?
1: So I started Foodie Tribe. About it was it's been three years since in, in January, this past January, um, and I started it as a side hobby. I was actually working at a, a SaaS company. Um, I myself had my own food blog down here in Miami called Rando Miami that I was kind of working on for about ten years. I'd go out to restaurants and review new menus and do grand openings and all of that. Um, and we have a very, you know, close knit community here in Miami I decided to put together what I thought was just going to be a community effort where we were going to go visit local Miami restaurants and promote them, um, online. What turned to be an application process that was just supposed to be really South Florida based in the first couple of weeks that we launched the website, we received applications from all over the U S and very quickly international applications. So my business plan shifted pretty much from from uh, from one morning to the next. Um, we went from being just a local community kind of gathering to more of a business plan focused as an agency where we started pairing the restaurants that were coming to us to go visit them. We started very much in the Miami area because that's where, obviously, I reside. Um, But then a lot of my team members started moving. We have some folks in in New York City. I have another team member in Raleigh. And we very quickly started our kind of our our reach um, outside of Miami. And now the majority of our projects are actually really more uh, national-based. So working with, uh, let's say, like a Red Lobster and putting together a program with influencers all over the U.S. Um, So it, it kind of... It wasn't really supposed to be what it is today, but um, I'm very happy to see how it's grown.
0: So walk us through the process. Let's say I am a uh, a quote-unquote foodie. I have this account, and I want to connect Mm -hmm. with Foodie Tribe, and then eventually uh, possibly a brand like Red Lobster. Mm -hmm. What What does that process look like?
1: Definitely. So we receive, I would say on average, between 30 and 50 applications a week to our site. Um, so a lot of the influencers that want to work with us, the majority of them are finding us on Instagram, either directly through our content, um, and, or through other influencers that have mentioned that they're part of Hooty tribe, or they, you know, they create a piece of content, they tag us. Um, and that's kind of how like the wheel gets going. So when they're interested in working with us, they have to fill out that application. Um, we take a look at, at a, a lot of the factors, you know, I don't just take a look at follower count. Um, I'm very focused on engagement and the type of content that they're creating. My number one question to myself, when I'm looking at influencers and their content is if I don't feel comfortable pairing you with a current brand that we are collaborating with at the moment, then it's probably not the right fit. Um, you know, we've received a lot of influencers that have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, but their repost accounts, for example, um, that doesn't really help me. I'm looking, you know, all of the projects that we work on are original, uh, pieces, so I'm looking for that type of person that has, you know, the right eye when they go out to, let's say, a dim lit restaurant um, to really focus on the dish, if, even if the lighting isn't great. Or plating the, the food, um, you know, while at home and really showcasing the brand and, and the packaging. So that's really, really what I look for when I'm looking at the influencers that apply.
2: From, from a business and marketing standpoint when, when you're working with brands and influencers and, and coming up with a campaign or just doing kind of like a sponsored post is a majority of the posts that you all have and in influencers that that you all work with post are, are most of those paid?
1: So all of our projects when we started foodie tribe three years ago are um, you know we didn't pay our influencers we were kind of just like figuring it out. Um, when I started my blog, I wasn't getting paid, but very quickly the the industry changed and that's where advertising dollars were starting to be focused on. So every project that we work on is definitely sponsored. And the way that I kind of operated is when I send out a project to my tribe, um, one of the questions is, you know, based off of the deliverables that we're requesting, the timeline, um, you know, the content, all, all of the work that goes behind it, how, what's your desired sponsored rate? Um, From there, there may be negotiation. Um, If I do have a larger budget and I can, you know, afford exactly what you're asking for, then that's great. But all of the content is definitely paid. The monetary value, and I definitely look at this, is, um, you know, I ensure that based off of, you know, the engagement, their follower count, that it makes sense. We also just recently uh, partnered with a platform called Tell. Um, which essentially allows us to have our entire roster online um, for us to easily access. And one of the key features that they have is based off of the average engagement, um, you know, which includes all the likes, comments, but also like, you know, average impressions. Even this is how much you should be, um, how much basically the influencer should be charging you. Um, So I definitely look at that as well, just to ensure that we're in line when the influencer comes with their rate.
0: Cool. Never heard of the platform before. I'm not familiar with it. So I'm going to have to do some research on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, you know, you you've noted earlier that it's not so much follower count that, mm-hmm. um, is involved with you all, but do you have any specific, uh, any strong opinions on micro influencers and how that's kind of grown in the yeah. influencer space?
1: Definitely. I'm really passionate about micro influencers. <laughs> um, I, especially with the projects that we've worked on, I mean, we definitely get clients that come to us and are like, we really don't want to see an influencer under hundred K. And, you know, I, I, I come with a PR agency background. So I'm all about making the client happy. Um, but I also like to just ensure that they understand what they're getting themselves into. So the majority of the projects that we work on, I try to be able to collaborate with a few of those larger folks, but then also include the micro influencers, which to me, i mean everybody has like a different definition i would say anything from you know any follower count from like five to maybe 20 25, max would be considered for me um a micro influencer and it's been insane to see and i always love to show this to the client when we you know present our final recap in our report the engagement that a micro influencer receives versus a macro influencer is insane you know, you'll get like a 1% engagement on a post on, with a macro influencer versus a micro. You may receive, you know, three, even up to we've seen eight, nine percent on a post, um, which, Really, when we're looking at, you know, clear call to actions, uh, click through rates and all of that, even though they have a smaller community, that community is way more dedicated and way more involved um, than a macro influencer where, you know, let's say Instagram's not, you know, serving the, the content as much as they would for a micro
2: influencer who who are some influencers that we sh- we should know about whether they're micro or macro and what what would you say makes them stand out in terms of content creation and a marketing standpoint?
1: So we definitely you know with the projects that we work on there's definitely some influencers that continue to, really outshine and create seller content every time we put together a campaign. Um, One of the influencers that we've really enjoyed working with, and she's actually a macro influencer. um, But you'll, when you check out her content, you'll see that her engagement rate is, is really wonderful for considering her follower count is Teresa underscore. Um, She's out in California. She's recently done a ton of projects for us. Um, She's been part of foodie tribe for, I think probably since the get go um, at least two years, um, more recently, she created content for one of our um, partners, Sonoma Couture, um, which is a, is a wine brand. Um, and then we also did some content with her for Lighthouse, which is more of a recipe development project. Um, and then you have folks like, for example, another great influencer that we've worked with is Bruno Leonardo. Um, he's also based out in California, um, would be considered more of a power influencer because I think he's under the 50 K if I'm not mistaken. Um, we'll just have to double check that, but he still creates stellar content and has very high engagement rate. So when I even look at like a Teresa or a Bruno um, you know, there's been times where I even offer up more, um money to certain influencers cuz I feel like they're underselling themselves. Um and that's something that we do a lot at Foodie Tribe. We want to make sure that we're being fair with our rates. Um so we always kind of look at that and just ensure that we're giving it all for a particular project, especially these influencers that we know um really do create stellar content for our projects.
0: Do influencers vary from like city to city, country by country that you've seen? And and I guess what I mean by that mm-hmm. is like obviously all all these personalities are different. Like if somebody in the south is going to be different than like right. the northeast. But I guess in in terms of how they work, what they prefer to do, just mm-hmm. if they're what it, it differences you may have, may have noticed.
1: A hundred percent. It's really funny. Sometimes I play a game with myself because I'm the one who reviews the applications. Um, you know when I when I go through content I can instantly for example tell when an influencer is based in Australia um it's it's insane but it's (laughs) sometimes I'm like this Australia I'm like yep got it um and it's really because of the way that they're setting up not only the way that they're setting up their photography but also like the food that they're featuring very colorful plates um just like it's like art um you know everything I'm I'm dying to get out to Australia because of all of this um beautiful content that they Produce Same thing with, like, my influencers, for example, out in, um, in Texas, like, predominantly Houston. Um, you know, they have, like, a same feel, you know, to their content. And I know, being that I was an influencer before, that we, based off of your city, you do have, like, a certain look and feel to your content. Um, it's, it's interesting, but it's definitely something that I've seen uh, as a trend when I'm looking through applications.
2: Yeah. I feel like I've noticed that too. I've, Mm -hmm. I've been looking at some influencers in the Houston area recently and Mm -hmm. and there's like a really bright kind of aesthetic to, to Mm -hmm. the images they put out. Very
1: crisp, very clear.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So switching gears here to, to the more client and brand side, who, who are some of your favorite clients and brands to work with just in terms of, of the, the campaigns that you all do with them and then maybe the, the level of creativity they afford to the influencers that you mm-hmm. work with as well?
1: I mean, to be completely honest, I have not had a project that I have not enjoyed. Um, I'm, I I can definitely say that I feel extremely blessed and grateful to be able to wake up every morning and do something that I really enjoy with my team um, and my influencers. Um, I would say like just because it's, you know, more recently and, and top of mind and we're currently finishing and and, and working on these projects, uh, the Sonoma project that we worked on, the Sonoma Couture, which was a launch of um, a new Pinot Noir rosé uh, that they were, uh, they're recently promoting around National Rosé Day in June. Um, there was a lot of creative freedom around that, um, but it was just very interesting to work with uh a brand that we were able to do different things with so for example we were able to send out several of our influencers out to the actual winery these were the macro influencers um, who got to experience the vineyard um, and create content around the tasting and then we were able to ship out the wine to the other influencers I think what's always the most interesting to me and I think to the brand side as well is to see like okay out of all those 18 influencers to see how the how they portray the brand and the product in their own creative way. I've honestly, I don't think I've had a client that's been um, very restrictive. We always work with them on a client survey to ensure that we are sticking within brand and visual guidelines. So there's never been like a, oh my gosh, this is not what I was thinking about at all um, around a campaign. I think, um, you know, even with the Lighthouse uh, project that we're working on, there's it's an artisan like Crumble's. Um, you would think, okay, these, this cheese, like maybe there's not much that we can do with this, but the amount of different ways that we've been able to incorporate these crumbles and like father's day content or fourth of July content coming up. Um, it's always very interesting to see the feedback from the client and how they really enjoy to see the product shown in a different light, maybe that they weren't originally thinking.
0: Do, do these brands get to sign off on the number of influencers you provide or do, yes. do they, maybe they get to select certain influencers out of like a batch?
1: Of course. So what we do is based off of their ask, their deliverables, and more importantly, their budget. So really what I'm able to afford um, as far as working with certain influencers, we send them, again, using that platform that I mentioned earlier, TEL. You're able to go ahead and basically send a portfolio of the influencers that that are interested in the campaign and can work on it and are within your budget. Um, And they can easily approve or pass on an influencer in this platform. And then we're notified on who exactly they want to collaborate with. Um, but the client always has the final say on who they want to partner with.
2: So we know based upon endless amounts of studies that in today's market, people are trusting word of mouth and opinions and reviews a lot more than they they may have in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so with Instagram possibly coming out, it, If a post is marked as sponsored, do you Mm -hmm. think that impacts the post in any way, especially if it were, you know, like an influencer or sponsored content? And why why do you think so or why not?
1: Um, Honestly, I don't think so. I think maybe in the beginning, um, you know, a few years back when this was really starting to just get started and ramped up, maybe, I think now, um, you know people are following influencers and even myself, right. I follow a lot of influencers that focus on recipe development. And to be honest, I've purchased a lot of baking goods and, um, different things in association with what the influencers are are promoting and it's been, um, sponsored. Um, I think the big thing is ensuring that the brand and we've even published an article on this on our blog, um, recently is ensuring that you're partnering with a brand that you feel passionate about and that you would purchase the product even if they weren't paying you um i do the same thing even for myself when i get pitched um for brands that want to work with us if it's a brand that i don't feel passionate about a restaurant that i don't feel like i would go visit or a product that i feel like i would feel comfortable purchasing um it's not a project that i bring on the team Um, And I think that that's very important. Honesty is huge in our industry. Um, You know, there's influencers that maybe come out and say, hey, I really want to work on this project. Um, But then you look at their feed and all they post is donuts. And the project (laughs) is for like, you know, they're like, I don't know, let's just say like they're pushing a summer salad, you know. Yeah. And so you're like, wait a second. Um, You know, and there's definitely people like that that are just looking to make some extra income and totally appreciate that. Um, but we definitely keep that in mind as we're pairing influencers and on
0: projects. you you noted the importance of honesty in the influencer mm-hmm. marketing space. What challenges are there in that space, and yeah. is dishonesty one of them?
1: Um, I think it's definitely um, a battle that we're we're currently fighting, um, especially being that, you know a lot of people are, you know, paying for likes and paying for engagement, um, you know, which could be fine for some people, but, uh, we're look, what we really, really focus on here at foodie tribe is authenticity and, and honesty when we're collaborating. Um, so that's why I take very seriously the applications that come forward. And I really scrutinize all of the platforms, um, cause we do work beyond just Instagram, um, even though Instagram is the predominant one, that's obviously the one that we can easily see, like, what's going on and engagement and all of that. And like I said, that platform that we collaborate with gives me all of that information, um, which is wonderful. But I definitely do see that there is a trend in, in folks kind of just trying to make some extra income. Um, but again, we pride ourselves in the fact that even though we only, quote, maybe to some people, we only have, like, 17 or 1,800 influencers under our belt, those are seriously dedicated content creators that are ready to create genuine content for your brand or your
0: restaurant
2: and and that's that's important to do as well i mean it, you know i i saw on on your all's website that you know as you just said you have a a really strict and rigorous vetting process mm-hmm. and and i think that's important to take into account because you could have have some people who like you said it's a it's a side project it's not something mm-hmm. they're they're going to put all their passion into and mm-hmm. maybe you know, because it's it's easy to go out to eat on a Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. night and take mm-hmm. a take a high res picture of something and make it look good, but there has to be some substance behind that. And I think right. that having a rigorous vetting process, it may be it may be good for them in the future to to hear like, hey, thanks, but but no, thanks. Here's what you need to do to to improve right. your content. So I feel like that's important from their standpoint as well. Um, but but switching gears a little bit here too, like what what's your favorite part about influencer marketing, and then maybe even what you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: Um, I think my favorite part is that every day is different. Um, the fact that I can essentially work with any food or beverage brand, like, under the umbrella, I'd say, quote-unquote, that really, you know, matches our, our vision and our brand um, is really exciting. I think the the even, like, the most fun part of my day is when I get to put together a proposal um, because that really gets, like, my... And our, like our team, essentially, like our creative juices flowing, like what are the things that we can put together to really help this brand or this restaurant excel in the market? Who are the influencers that we feel like would really pair well with this brand? Because we always give them like a sample set of folks that we would essentially send the pitch out to so that they can get an idea of who they'd be collaborating with. Um, that's always really fun and exciting because it really sets the tone for, I guess, the excitement and the passion that we have and in, in what we do every day here.
0: So social media changes on a pretty much daily basis these days, and, and thus so does influencer marketing to an extent. So where do you where do you see influencer marketing going into the future, and, and how does how does Foodie Tribe kind of adapt to those changes?
1: Yeah, so I think honestly we uh, we adapt. Relatively quickly, in the sense that, like, when something you know happens and we need to kind of get, get on the bandwagon, we we do it to ensure that the content is performing well. Um, so we'll obviously, for example, keep an eye on these creator profiles that will be launched soon, um, and see how that affects some of our influencers that get into that program. Um, I definitely think that this is not something that's going away uh, anytime soon. I feel that word-of-mouth marketing is is still going to be king for a while. Maybe it's not on Instagram. Maybe it ends up being on another social platform. Um, But we'll continue to adapt and and work with the appropriate creators to put together the right set of content for our, our brands.
2: Well, Katie, thank you so so much for joining us today. We we learned a lot, and we're really happy that you were able to join us here. Is there is there anything you would like to plug, or any influencers, or <laughs> any pro- any projects we should look out for in the near future?
1: Honestly, I mean, we're always looking to increase our our, our tribe and our applications. Always looking for content creators. So, if you're interested. Um, or you know someone who's creating seller content that should be a part of our tribe, you can have them go ahead and apply um, on our website and just put join. Um, And then again, if there's any brands out there that are looking and and just not really sure on how to even get started on this influencer marketing thing or what type of content they should be creating, um, there's also an application on our site that says um, work with us that you can go ahead and fill out and, and that'll go directly to me.
0: Very cool. Katie, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, everybody, that wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us.